Hop, hop, hooray! Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? The Ford F-150 truck drives smart design forward. The standard 12-inch productivity screen helps you get what you need done, too. And the available Pro-Access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo and utilization of the bed, including when towing a trailer. Together with a wider bumper step, it's easier to access the bed and load in tight spaces. An available ProPower onboard serves as a mobile power source, providing up to 7.2 kilowatts of power to charge a bed full of electric dirt bikes or run an entire job site worth of tools. I'm still driving my 2016 F-150 truck and 90,000 miles in. As long as I keep it clean, it honestly still looks brand new. I've taken it down snow-covered forest service roads, taken it out camping, put a ton of miles on it on the freeway, had five adults in the cabin for long trips, and it's been great everywhere. Super dependable. I still love the way it looks, nice and rugged design, but with a super comfortable interior. And I'm still very happy with the quality sound system and heated seats. And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. Dangerous, high-risk sex offenders. Those who will, because of the way they're psychologically wired, almost certainly offend again. What do we want to do with them as a society? Put them on an island? Leave them there until we can come up with a better plan? That's what Washington State's been doing since 1990. Sex offenders deemed to be at a high risk to reoffend once their prison terms have been completed are now not being let go. They're being sent to what's called a special commitment center on McNeil Island in the Puget Sound, just off the coast of Tacoma, The inmates are no longer referred to as prisoners. They're referred to as residents. But these residents aren't allowed to leave the island until the committee that oversees the center deems them to no longer be at risk to molest, rape, sexually assault, otherwise harm, or kill another person. And that almost never happens. Very few residents are ever released from the island. Are we okay with this? Is it okay to essentially hold someone in prison indefinitely? And the Special Commitment Center is just a refurbished prison sometimes decades after they've completed their sentences under any circumstances. We'll explore that today. We're also going to look into the possibility of a cure for pedophiles and other sex offenders. Is there one? We're going to look at the damage they cause their victims, those who live, and look at how widespread the problem of sexual predators is in society today. This is a different kind of suck, and I like it. I kept having to rein myself in when it came to additional research. It's a fascinating topic and an important topic. How do we keep our children and citizens in general safe from sexual predators? And can we do that without throwing away some of our constitutional rights? Will throwing away some of those rights come back to haunt us? Pedophiles, the island where they've been banished by Washington State, and so much more today on Time Suck. You're listening to Time Suck. Happy Monday, time suckers. Happy President's Day. Hope you've uh, enjoyed your three-day weekend, if you've had one. Uh, Work can wait for sure today. Hope you had a good Valentine's Day or Valentine's Day weekend, if you, in fact, still care about that holiday. Uh, Never been a big Valentine's Day guy. 
always just felt like an excuse for florists to jack up their flower prices by about 300%. But if you like it, then get after it, meat sack lovers. Hail Nimrod. Hail Lucifina. Lucifina can get down with some Valentine's Day. Uh, Praise Bojangles and Triple M. Oh, Lucifina enraged by today's episode. People making sex wrong and bad. Mm -mm, She is not a fan. Uh, Special thanks to our space lizards for supporting the show via Patreon, for allowing this show to continue without your support. Time Suck would have collapsed a year ago. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to hire the help I needed to keep it going. Would have been too much for one person uh, who also relentlessly tours and has a family. Uh, You're not supposed to have favorite listeners, but space lizards, you're my favorite time suckers. A uh, quick survey announcement to start the show today. Another way to support Time Suck is to support our advertisers. When you take advantage of a sale through Time Suck and buy something from one of our hand-picked sponsors, we get to have more sponsors. And I, and I want to make sure that we're getting the right sponsors, the ones that you want to have. Uh, you know, you're going to buy some some stuff from someplace regardless just how life works, right? You, you need to spend to keep living. So, you know, let's let's help you find the right places to spend your money. Get the right deals. To find the right advertisers for the cult of the curious, we need to learn more about you. So please, please, please go to podsurvey.com slash timesuck. Take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know what products you would like to get deals on. Let us learn more about you. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can choose to enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Help us maybe help yourself. So please go to podsurvey.com slash timesuck. Uh, it's podsurvey, P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y.com slash T-I-M-E-S-U-C-K. Thanks for your help. Hail Nimrod. Link to this survey in today's episode description, uh, making it real easy. And also on the, uh, uh, in that episode, you know, uh, will also be on the website, on the Timesuck app, just everywhere. So, so check that out. Uh, thanks again for the continued reviews everywhere you can leave ratings and reviews. And thanks to uh, those who have stopped at the Shopify store uh, that you can link to from either the TimeSuck app or TimeSuckPodcast.com. I actually just got my Richard Ramirez, Triple M, uh, Lindsay and Me pins from Axis Apparel. Also some Chicken Joe condoms and TimeSuck uh, suckers in the mail. Back on Thursday when I actually had to record this episode before my Philly shows. Uh, and Axis, they did an amazing job. Uh, they're too good. The condoms kill me. These little chicken Joe, just bop, bop, playboy, just little condoms fucking kill me. Uh, it's a real thing now. Just like our prayer candles, time suck. You know, we just keep getting weirder and weirder stuff. I love it. I also have a time suck championship belt now that a listener sent in. Uh, a really nice one. Been wearing it a lot on social media because I'm a champion. I'm officially a champion now. And uh, and huge thanks to everyone who, who uh, who's come out or is going to be coming out to the Happy Murder stand-up tour dates or the live Ant Hill Kids Suck. Uh, this Friday and Saturday, February 26th, uh, February 22nd and 23rd, going to be at Wise Guys in Salt Lake City. Some shows already sold out. Going to be a blast. Ant Hill Kids Suck on Saturday the 23rd. And then the following week at the Stardome in Birmingham, February 26th. Atlanta sold out on the 27th. Going to be in Nashville the 28th, March 1st and March 2nd. Zanies Thursday through Saturday. Going to be in Huntsville, Alabama, March 3rd. And then I'm doing the Mediocre Time with Tom and Dan Cruz, March 7th through the 11th. And then no more shows until Naples, Florida on March 28th, Miami Improv, Saturday, March 30th, Cleveland at Hilarities, April 4th through 6th, another live Ant Hill Kids Suck on April 6th, more tour dates at dancummins.tv. Thanks for making this year, uh, starting off already, the best year I've had on the road. So many laughs and fun to be had, so many other time suckers and space lizards for you to meet at these shows. Pedophile Island right now. 
Okay, before we look into how the McNeil Treatment Center, a.k.a. Pedophile Island, is dealing with sex offenders and dig into other ways we could choose to deal with this problem, uh, it only makes sense that we look into how big of a problem sex offenders actually are. Like, how many are out there? How much damage are they causing? How likely is it, uh, you know, for a, a caught and imprisoned sex offender to, to reoffend once they are released? Is it fair to treat convicted sex offenders differently than other criminals? A lot, a lot of questions to look into today. Uh, you've likely all heard stories about people convicted for sexual offenses who were then released only to quickly reoffend uh, and hurt or kill others. Some of the dirtbags we've covered in our true crime time sucks had sex offenses on their records before going on to hurt or murder more people. I mean, think about, you know, Golden State Killer, you know, Richard D'Angelo, uh, serial rapist before he became a serial killer. But in case you haven't heard these stories or just to uh, jog your memory or just to piss you off and fire you up about today's topic, here are some examples of some dirtbags getting released from prison after raping or molesting someone only to quickly then commit similar or even worse crimes. Okay, you've, you've, you've likely all heard the name Pat Sajak, and I'm guessing most of you know he's been hosting one of the world's most popular game shows, Wheel of Fortune, along with Vanna White for over 35 years now. But I bet you didn't know that when he was 16 years old in 1962, he was convicted of having sex with a nine-year-old boy. Uh, he was put away in a juvenile detention center for six months, and then three years later, 1965, when he was 19, he got caught abducting two eight-year-olds and served 90 days in jail with an additional four years for probation. And if you're shocked right now, I fucking get it. I was when I found out. I was livid. Uh, CBS has been keeping this under wraps for years. They didn't find out until 1996, and by then they had too much money invested to risk you know, letting out his criminal record. They kept it quiet. Of course they did. Estimates now range from 30, that, uh, from 30 to 70% of, of uh, television network executives are also Illuminati members, are also part of child sex cults, and are reptilian. And, of course, all that was fucking nonsense. I, Pat, Pat Sajak, please forgive me. It was a joke. I said it was a joke right afterwards. Just it's fucking craziness. It never happened. Uh, I've heard nothing but good things about Pat Sajak. I doubt Pat Sajak has even ever gotten a speeding ticket. He seems very wholesome. Uh, he is Polish. That's true. That is true. So God knows what he's capable of. But that, that, that was nonsense. But I hope that some of you for a second were like, are you fucking kidding me? They put him on Wheel of Fortune after that? Anyway. Uh, the Polish thing was an old inside joke if you're a new listener. So let's talk about some real creeps now. Some actual assholes who committed horrible sex crimes only to go on and reoffend uh, after often serving shockingly short sentences. In two th- <laughs> I, don't know why, I don't know why that last thing, just to pick him of all people, uh, just makes me laugh. It's so I know it's so fucked up. 2013, Corbin Scumbag Breitenbach, real real piece of shit now, went to prison for raping a 22-year-old woman in Kansas. He was released on parole Four years later, year and a half short of his five and a half year sentence, then just six weeks after being released by the Kansas Department of Corrections, less than two months after getting out of prison, this dirtbag brutally rapes a seven-year-old girl. Authorities say Breitenbach snuck into her bedroom in an apartment complex in Wichita, Kansas around 3 a.m. on June 11th, 2017, a real-life boogeyman. Authorities say he strangled a little girl until she was unconscious took her to an outdoor balcony where he proceeded to rape her. He was arrested days later, was charged with capital, attempted murder, aggravated criminal sodomy, and aggravated burglary. And unfortunately, Bojangles, one-eyed, three-legged pit bull defender of time suck, didn't turn him into a fucking human chew toy, starting with his evil dick. Uh, Unfortunately, as he tried to sneak into her room, her father didn't sneak up behind him with a baseball bat and turn his skull into a goddamn pinata. 
Sadly, officers didn't see him sneak in and weren't able to put about five slugs into his dick and balls and then make sure he didn't die. I hate this guy so much. And those like him. Uh, monsters who walk amongst us, preying on the weak and the defenseless, lowest of the low. Uh, Bojangles actually just left the suck dungeon to go uh, work on uh, hitting the heavy back at a local gym before he kills somebody. He can't handle hearing any more of today's suck. Uh, I get it. It's infuriating. Uh, good boy, Bojangles. Good boy. I know you want to bite them all, but you can't. Too much for one dog. Uh, Corbin allegedly didn't know this little girl. He just knew about her because he dated someone who uh, lived in the same apartment complex. I saw this guy's mugshot, and he doesn't look like the stereotype of a sex offender. Not what I expected him to look like. No wispy mustache, no comb over, no greasy, pasty skin, not shifty eyed. Why did I think he'd look creepy? That's another problem with pedophiles and sex offenders. Rapists don't always look like rapists. Uh, You know, think about Ted Bundy. You want to think you can see him, but you can't. I mean, oftentimes, way more often than not, the victim knows the perpetrator. It was a family member or friend of the family. Uh, Corbin looks like he could be a personal trainer at a gym. Looks like he's maybe some uh, fresh out of college school teacher, some restaurant manager, you know, clean cut, square jaw, handsome face. Looks like a guy you can trust, but none of that matters, does it? That's not how life works. He's a good reminder of how you can't see these people coming. You got to be extra safe with your kids. Vet everyone you think, uh, you know, uh, you can trust them with to, to be as sure as you can be. Then there's the case of Canadian dirtbag Peter Whitmore. Whitmore has been repeatedly abducting and raping Canadian children since 1989. He keeps getting caught and he keeps getting released only to attack again and again and again. In 1993, sex offenses against four young boys earned him only 16 months in jail. Four months per boy. Peter quickly abducted and molested an eight-year-old girl when he got out and that sent him back to, to jail for four years and eight months. And then in 2000, he was arrested in a hotel room with a 13-year-old boy. He was clearly not there just to watch movies with. He wasn't there to show him how the remote works or bring him some room service and then split. Uh, Peter was sent to prison for a year. Then in 2002, he was caught with an abducted five-year-old boy and a rape kit that included zip ties, duct tape, KY lubricant, and child pornography. He was then executed on side by officers immediately as per their right to do so under a no tolerance for discussing child abductors program Canada had just launched. Uh, Yeah, right. I wish. That would be so great. In reality, he was sent to jail for only three years. Three years, three fucking years for being caught with a kid he'd kidnapped as a convicted pedophile already and having a child torture and rape kit on him. Three years after numerous other convictions for sexual assaults against other children in 2006. After being released again, he attacked again. This time he kidnapped two young boys, chained them up in an abandoned farmhouse for several days and raped both of them repeatedly. Incredibly, after getting caught, he was still not given life in prison. He's been caught abducting three different kids now, caught raping, torturing, otherwise sexually assaulting a total of seven kids, right? And these are just the ones that he's been caught for, about to rape two others. And then less, less than a decade later, he'd be up for parole. Yep. This guy's been eligible for parole since 2015. In 2016, one of the boys publicly, one of his victims, publicly pleaded for him to never be released, saying, I deal with night terrors every night. There's nothing you can really do. I've just learned to let the emotions go. Just live through it. I don't want to see this happen to another family, to another child, but it just keeps happening. Current sentencing laws in Canada, they just can't keep a guy like Peter Whitmore in jail indefinitely, despite all the horrible things he's done. Are you getting a little angry? 
Uh, me too. If you're not, if you're not fired up, I'm, I'm a little worried about you. Uh, there's the case of another Canadian sex offender. Brian, I hope you hear this suck and you, I hope you shoot yourself in the fucking face, uh, Abrosimo. In 1992, Brian broke into the home of an ex-girlfriend and raped her. He was out of prison in 1996, shot somebody a few months later. 2002, he was out and free, raped the same ex-girlfriend again. 2004, handcuffed a prostitute, brutally beat and repeatedly raped her. Also in 2004, drove his van. Of course, he drives a fucking creepy van. Drove his van into two young girls in his neighborhood. Like, like hit the girls with his van. And uh, does not call an ambulance. Luckily, neither girl dies. While the girls are laying on the ground, battered from the car accident, he grabs the youngest one, only 11 years old, puts her in the van, tapes her eyes and mouth shut, and rapes her uh, while he leaves the other one on the road to possibly die. He's sentenced to 18 years in prison and then is released just over a decade later in 2017, despite numerous pleas by numerous family members of the victims to please keep him incarcerated. Why? Why are these guys given second, third, fourth, and fifth chances? How is that justice? When you've committed crimes of that nature time and time again, why the fuck would you ever be given another chance at redemption? At what point as a society do we throw in the towel and say enough is enough? Fuck this motherfucker. Uh, Over 30 years ago, James Dean Barnett, the James Dean of child molesters, was convicted in London, Ontario, for sexually assaulting a 10-year-old boy when he was 21 while he volunteered at the Boys and Girls Club. He gets three months in jail, another three months of probation. Then he gets a a criminal pardon that wipes his record clean. He changed his name to Tyler Giles, and he starts molesting again. He befriends some neighbors to the point they trust him to babysit their kids overnight while they go on vacation. During this overnight babysitting situation, he repeatedly molests these kids. After he's arrested, another victim from an assault 10 years prior comes forward. Who knows how many other victims have stayed silent? He is currently awaiting sentencing. And the list goes on and on and on. There is story after story after story of this sex offender or that sex offender being released and then molesting or killing once they get out. And and, and if you're wondering why most of the pedophile examples are Canadians, uh, it is because Canada has the world's highest per capita amount of pedophiles. One in 12 Canadians have either been accused or convicted of serious sex crimes. And the ratio used to be worse. During the early 60s, cultural historians speculated one in four Canadians perpetrating sex crimes both in Canada and abroad. Some people believe, uh, some researchers, that at least half of all Canadian hockey players are also child molesters. Victoria, British Columbia, was known as the rape capital of the world in the early 70s, and Toronto is still referred to by some as Diddle City. And none of that is true. None of that is true. Uh, I hope it's not. Uh, but I hope at least one person turned out to suck right after hearing me say Toronto is known as Diddle City, and I hope they bring that up to at least one other person. Did, you, did I tell you that Hank and I are going to Toronto for the weekend? Really? Diddle City? Are you bringing the kids? I mean, yeah, we are, we are bringing the kids. Wait, did you, just, did you just say Diddle City? Uh, no more pedophiles in Canada per capita than in the U.S. or any other nation as far as I know. I just happened to find those examples on a list of reoffending Canadian sex offenders before I found any others. For whatever reason, there is there is more studies available on the web, uh, more articles about pedophiles uh, from Canada than any other country, like by, by quite a bit. I have no idea why that is. Um, when I look at news story after news story of sex offenders attacking this person or that child over and over, so many stories, I start to wonder, how big is the problem with sex offenders? Like how many are out there in society? Uh, I did find U.S. stats for this. 
Uh, finding the stats wasn't easy, but, but here's what I ca- came across. The most recent survey I could find was conducted by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in 2012. And they reported that there were 747,408 registered sex offenders living in the U.S. This does not include incarcerated sex offenders. I can't find any recent reliable information regarding how many are also in prison right now. Back in 1997, there were 234,000 sex offenders either in prison or in some type of halfway house or, uh, you know, law enforcement supervised release situation. So so, so, so back to the roughly 750,000 sex offenders living amongst us in the U.S. right now, uh, or recently 2012. The U.S. population in 2012 was 314 million. So doing some math, uh, roughly one in 420 people registered sex offenders. How many sex offenders are caught, though, compared to how many people are actually committing sexual offenses? What do criminologists have to say about that? There's a lot of different numbers for this. But according to the National Sexual Violence Resource Center, 63% of sexual assaults are not reported to police. The U.S. Justice Department defines the term sexual assault, by the way, as any non-consensual sexual act prescribed by federal, tribal, or state law, including when the victim lacks capacity to consent. Uh, So doing some quick, admittedly loose math, a bit of speculation, uh, if around two-thirds of sex crimes are not reported, maybe we could assume that around two-thirds of sex offenders don't get caught or registered. So that means that there could be three times as many sex offenders out there than that number of just 750,000 that I mentioned earlier from 2012, which would translate to around 2,250,000 offenders. And if that was true, that would mean that around one in 140 people could be sex offenders. That number is pretty scary to me. But that number still doesn't show anywhere close to the true scope of the problem because uh, it's not like each sex offender just assaults one victim. Many of them assault numerous victims. So how many people are being sexually assaulted? Uh, These numbers are more important. How many victims are out there? Well, 3,501,000 kids received CPS, Child Protective Service, investigations in just 2017. 8.6% were sexual abuse allegations. That's uh, 301,086 sexual abuse investigations. Yeah, just over 300,000 sexual abuse investigations in one year. There's a lot of kids in just one country and one year being sexually victimized. And I, and I know that an investigation doesn't automatically equate to guilt, but sexual offenses, particularly those against children, uh, is still also a chronically under, underreported crime. So the real number of kids being molested in 2017, probably, at least possibly much higher than 301,086. According to the Department of Justice, stats as recent as 2012 uh, at least 300,000 women are raped in the U.S. every year on average. Every year. I mean, wow. according to numerous sources, one out of every six American women will be the victim of an attempted or completed rape in their lifetime. One in 33 men will be the victim at some point in their lifetime. And there's a ton of other stats on, on a long list of websites regarding to how widespread and pervasive the problem of sexual abuse is. Uh, Here's a few from a nonprofit organization called Darkness to Light committed to empowering adults and preventing sexual uh, abuse of children. About one in 10 children will be sexually abused before their 18th birthday. Nearly 70% of all reported sexual assaults, including assaults on adults, occur to children ages 17 and under. 44% of rapes uh, with penetration occur to children under age 18. Victims younger than 12 accounted for 15% of those rapes. Uh, Another 29% of rape victims were between 12 and 17. Most kids are not abused by a creepy stranger. About 90% of children who are the victims of sexual abuse know their abuser. Children living with either, uh, 
excuse me, children living without either parent, uh, such as foster children, uh, 10 times more likely to be sexually abused than children that live in both with both biological parents. And then females are five times more likely to be abused than males. I did find a bit of good news in Darkness to Light stats. The number of identified incidents of child sexual abuse actually decreased at least 47% from 1993 to 2006. Uh, but while the number of incidents seems to be declining, and I found that uh, corroborated on a number of other sources, the problem of sexual abuse is still far, far, far from over. Millions and millions of people in just the U.S. have been sexually abused at some point in their lifetime. Uh, they've been molested, had nude pictures taken of them when they were underage, uh, been raped and forced to commit other sexual acts, uh, had other sexual acts committed upon them when they were minors. The problem of sexual abuse is huge. We, we don't know exactly how big it is, but we know it's very big. And, and it's not like this is just a U.S. problem or a Canadian problem. Kids are being molested and women and men are being raped or sexually assaulted in other ways all around the world every day, every week, every month, every year. And the victims of sexual abuse suffer for far longer than just the duration of the attack. Uh, children, here's, some, here's some more disturbing uh, stats. Children who have been sexually abused are uh, 3.8 times more likely to develop drug addictions which substantially then also increases their chances of being incarcerated later in life. Female rape victims, 13 times more likely than non-crime victims to have attempted suicide at some point in their lifetime. I'm guessing the suicide rate is also higher for male victims. One of the, one of the better studies I found just happened to focus on women only. Uh, most of the studies uh, about sexual offenses have focused either on women or children. Uh, think about how many additional lives are affected by those suicides. How, how many parents, siblings, spouses, children, and friends are affected? When a sex offender molests someone, when a, when a rapist rapes, they often victimize, you know, far more people than the person they're actually directly sexually abusing. Uh, women who've been raped are 26 times more likely to have a serious drug abuse problem than women who haven't been raped. Um, so that's, you know, in, in addition to the drug addiction stat earlier, just to develop some type of drug abuse problem, way more likely. Uh, sexual assault victims uh, see their risk for major depression symptoms triple and their anxiety risk double. They suffer uh, far higher rates of PTSD than non-victims. They face higher divorce rates, lead higher risk lifestyles in a variety of ways, suffer a variety of self-esteem issues, endure tons of other physical and mental issues. And another troubling lasting effect of being sexually abused in childhood is an increased chance of perpetrating sexual abuse later in life. This is the whole cycle of abuse theory. There have been numerous studies done on this, and it seems that being sexually abused during childhood does make you two to three times as likely as someone who is not abused to become a pedophile. And this is a little bit complicated because it depends on who abused you, how you were abused, the exact age. There, there's a bunch of other facts. It gets real complicated, and I don't want to delve too far into that because it just uh, becomes this litany of stat after stat after stat after stat, and it gets a little kind of hard to, to process. It's it's tricky to nail down numbers because there's just so many different ways of being sexually abused with so many different ages, again, by, yeah, different types of perpetrators. Um, getting treatment right away can also affect, you know, your odds of becoming a perpetrator later and, and, and a lot of other factors. It's complicated, but it does increase the chances that you'll become a perpetrator. Uh, also important to note that the overwhelming number of victims of sexual abuse, including childhood sexual abuse, do not go on to become sexual abusers themselves. I don't, I don't want anyone looking at someone suspiciously because, you know, you know that they were victimized. You know, what, what a terrible way for that person to then be re-victimized. Uh, in one study conducted among 747 males, the risk of being a perpetrator was positively correlated with reported sexual abuse victim experiences. Uh, 
The overall rate of having been a victim was 35% for perpetrators and 11% for non-perpetrators. Just over three times as likely to become a molester yourself when you were molested. But still, again, even in this study, which was high compared to some others, 65% of those victimized would not go on to do something similar themselves. And and, and the rate was uh, not as high for women in a study conducted by the same researchers. More likely to to go on to reoffend if you were a dude for whatever reason. Uh, in a study of 96 females, 43% had been victims, but only one would go on to be a perpetrator. And various other studies I found seem to reflect similar results. Most of the studies of sexual assaulters, I should note, have been conducted on men again, uh, which does make sense since most but not all sexual assaulters are men. One study found that 80% of boys and 96% of girls had been assaulted by males. Uh, Another study found that 95% of Polish men were sexual predators, and that study also found that 100% of Polish-Canadian men who played hockey uh, were sexual predators, 100%, and that's uh, super fucked up and, of course, not true. But it does kind of lead into uh, one of today's uh, sponsors, today's first sponsor. Time Suck is brought to you, uh, again, by Woody's Spirit Supplies and more Spectral Emporium. It's me, Woody, again. Uh, I'd love to tell you that sales of uh, Woody's Mothman Monster Magnets burned rubber, so to speak, a few weeks ago and and made me some real bread, but uh, uh, it hasn't been a big tickle lately. Um, The way I treated Charles Gutman a few weeks ago is is despicable, and he wanted to give me a real knuckle sandwich when I let him out of his cage, and, well, long story short, he, he ran off. And I haven't seen him in three weeks, and it puts me in a real pickle. Says we share a bank account, and he's out there living like a king, acting like us. You know, he has allergic allergies to grocery stores, and it's okay to eat three square bales of dead daddies every day. <sighs> Anywho, I've been drinking too much, and but Charles, if, if you hear this, I'll stop if you come back. Okay, I, I'll at least drink less. I, I, I promise not to drink before noon. Not during the week, unless it's Friday or, or holiday or it's, pre- it's President's Day today. And I, I, have been, I have been celebrating, and that's my right, you know, Daddy-O. But uh, anywho, here's what I'm selling. I'm selling myself today. I'm renting myself out. Doesn't have absolutely anything to do with ghosts or demons, but of course I, I will do exorcisms and house cleanings. I also do birthday parties, uh, bar mitzvahs, uh, family reunions, roast barbecues, bowling leagues. For 20 bucks an hour, um... <laughs> You can just toss me around in an alley if that's what you would have for you. As a puppet, I have a lot of experience with hands. I'm used to them going pretty much everywhere. So you just live in a real tough time. Hey, so to take advantage of this great offer, please head to Woody's Spirit Supplies and more. SpectralEmporium.com slash TimeSuck. To get 50% off whatever deal you and Woody negotiate for whatever services he is willing to offer. And and please, Mr. Gutman, if you hear this, uh, please come back. Uh, Woody needs you. He's in a real tight spot. <laughs> of course, that is not today's real sponsor. Uh, today's Time Suck is brought to you uh, by 4 Hymns. It's totally normal to have sexual performances, uh, you know, uh, kind of kind of frustrations with sexual performances. Uh, I, I've been lucky. I have not experienced sexual dysfunction myself yet, but I, but I hope I do because that means I'm still having sex and I'm not worried about it because it's totally treatable. If you're having problems, don't worry about it. Listen to this. Thanks to science, erectile dysfunction can be optional. 
And you can take that ween into the virtual. No one ever has to even touch your penis. Auto Body Shop, known as 4 An auto body shop for your ween. A one-stop shop for everything man. Um, what can you find at 4 Hair loss, right? This is where you can, you can't find it. You can, you can, you can treat it. You can treat it. You, that'd be weird to find it there. They're not selling that. You, what can you treat? Hair loss, skin care, uh, sexual wellness, uh, berserker battlefield ability, mind control, uh, ability to speak telepathically to animals, especially tigers and bears. I may have made up those last few, but the rest is legit. Uh, Hims connects you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to treat erectile dysfunction. They carry well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions, not snake oil pills, not gas station counter supplements. Products are shipped directly to your door. Uh, so get some erectile without the dysfunction. Put the lean back in your wean. Put the lean back in your wean. Stand up straight. Try Hims for a month today. Get started for just five bucks while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to a doctor or pharmacy. Go to 4 slash timesuck-ed. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash timesuck-ed. T-I-M-E-S-U-C-K-E-D. Uh, link in the episode description, 4 sponsor button on the TimeSuck website and app uh, will take you straight to the deal. All right. Uh, okay. Now, so just so you know, when it comes to space lizard voted in topics like today's, sponsors do not know ahead of time what the topic will be that features their ad. I just want you to know that the execs at 4 <laughs> an awesome sponsor, an awesome sponsor who, is, who have been very supportive of TimeSuck, the execs did not see Pedophile Island on the topic list and think, yes, this will be perfect for an erectile dysfunction ad. Pedophiles need boners too. Yes. No, pedophiles do not need boners. They really, really don't need boners. I know that, and 4 hymns knows that. I just I felt like I had to address that. <sighs> Moving on. We know now. We likely already knew before. The sex offenders are a real problem. That's why I wanted to throw those numbers out there. It's not an opinion. It's a fact. They damage a lot of lives in a lot of different ways. We uh, know that at least sometimes once released, they hurt again. But how often does that actually happen? Do the majority of sex offenders once caught and imprisoned not attack again? Uh, once a sex offender, always a sex offender? That's what I've always believed, but is that true? Is the recidivism rate or the rate of reoffending nearly 100%? Let's look into this critically and not just emotionally. Jill S. Levinson, Dr. Jill S. Levinson, an American social worker with a PhD in social welfare, has been studying sex offenders for decades, done numerous studies on them, and, and she's found that the general public seems to believe that 75% of sex offenders will reoffend, which is obviously a very high and terrifying number. Uh, Jill strongly personally disagrees with the general public and thinks this number is way too high. Uh, sex crimes researchers R. R. Carl Hansen, Kelly E. Morton Burgeon of Public Safety Canada conducted a large-scale meta-analysis of recidivism rates among adult offenders and found a rate of 14% over a period averaging five to six years. So 14% of these people reoffended within five to six years. Recidivism rates did increase over time, reaching 24% within 15 years. But even that figure is clearly out of alignment with the public's belief in a 75% recidivism rate. Uh, the rate also varied a lot for the type of sexual predator. Uh, the 15-year recidivism rate is 13%. For incest perpetrators, 24%. For rapists, 35% for child molesters of boy victims. Uh, a comprehensive 2014 meta-analysis review of 21 recidivism studies by a team of leading scholars found that 32% of sex offenders assessed as high risk to reoffend did so within 15 years. Four offenders judged to be low-risk 
The number was 5%. And for high-risk offenders who made it 16 years with no reoffenses, in this particular study, their reoffense rate was zero. Dr. Levison states that we have lots and lots of recidivism research over 25 years, and all of the recidivism studies are remarkably consistent that the number of people rearrested for a new sex crime is somewhere between 5 and 15%. But can numbers that low be trusted? Is that actually accurate? Uh, Dr. Levinson is a highly accredited expert. I am not. However, a lot of other highly accredited experts disagree with her assessment because these stats, uh, when it comes to sex offenders and recidivism rates, can be extremely misleading. Uh, and full disclosure, Dr. Levinson, I should point out, has been convicted of child molestation four separate times, uh, most recently in 2015, and the stats she gave were taken from an interview conducted while she remains in prison. And I should stop with those type of lies on this episode. It's, and it's terrible. It's terrible. That would be so ridiculous if I was giving stats about how there's not that many pedophiles out there and the source of the stats was a pedophile incarcerated. Come on. No. Uh, <laughs> Pat Sajak and Dr. Levinson are going to shut this podcast down. But a lot of other experts uh, do disagree with Dr. Levinson. The Leadership Council on Child Abuse and Interpersonal Violence, a group of about 50 child abuse researchers and experts, cite a 1990 study of adult women that found that only 12% of those who said they'd been raped actually actually reported it to authorities. Only 12% of women who felt comfortable admitting they'd been raped in an anonymous study had actually reported those rapes to law enforcement. Based on this low reporting number, the council offers a hypothetical. If 100% of a sample of released sex offenders commit another sex crime, but the rate of reporting is only 12% and only half of those reports uh, of those reported are convicted, then the official recidivism rate would be listed as only 6% when it is, in fact, far higher. It would actually be 50% using their math. Half of pedophiles going on to reoffend, much bigger problem for society overall than 6%. Not that 6% should be taken lightly. I do understand the argument that even one victim, one additional victim, is unacceptable. So what's the real number? I would guess probably quite a bit higher than the 5 to 15% proposed by Dr. Levinson, possibly also quite a bit lower than the 75% the general public believes in. But again, even if the risk to reoffend is only uh, 6%, roughly 1 in 17, is that a risk we're taking, uh, we're okay taking as a society? You know, what if, uh, what if you know, some kid that falls into that 6% is, is your kid? Okay, so now we still have yet to ask what to me is the most important question regarding today's suck. And we are going to talk about the actual treatment center here soon. Uh, but, but first, let's explore this. This is important. Can pedophiles or serial rapists, high-risk sex offenders, people who are literally attracted to raping or uh, to children, can they be cured? Is it even possible? Can they ever be rehabilitated to the point that they are no longer attracted to children or to a criminal act like rape? Uh, I think there was a much more important – I think this, excuse me, is a much more important question than, you know, uh, will they reoffend? Do they want to reoffend? Would they reoffend if given a good opportunity to do so, thinking they could get away with it? Well, the short answer is terrifying. And the short answer is what I remember, uh, remember studying you know, 20 years ago now, and, and the science hasn't changed. Pedophilia cannot be cured. Uh, additionally, an actual attraction to the act of uh, raping or, or, or an actual attraction to some other violent non-consensual act cannot be cured. There's no cure for pedophilia. Uh, this is a really important point to keep in mind as we think about how to, to deal with pedophiles as a society. A 2010 article on pedophilia published by Harvard researchers actually opens with the sentence, there is no cure. So the focus is on protecting children. This article continues with, 
Classified as a paraphilia and abnormal sexual behavior, researchers have found no effective treatment. Like other sexual orientations, pedophilia is unlikely to change. The goal of treatment, therefore, is to prevent someone from acting on pedophile urges, either by decreasing sexual arousal around children or increasing the ability to manage that arousal. But neither is as effective for reducing harm as preventing access to children or providing close supervision. I read into that, that preventing access to children, putting them on an island. Here are some more interesting data gathered by researchers. Uh, these same researchers, nearly all people with pedophilic tendencies are male. Studies of child molesters have reported that only one to 6% of perpetrators are female. Co-occurring disorders, such as personality disorders or mood disorders, are common in people with pedophilic tendencies. And about 50% to 70% of people with pedophilic tendencies are also diagnosed with another paraphilia, such, such as exhibitionism, voyeurism, or sadism. The researchers also state, Several reports have concluded that most people with pedophilic tendencies eventually act on their sexual urges in some way. Typically, this involves exposing themselves to children, watching naked children, masturbating in front of children, or touching children's genitals, oral, anal, or vaginal penetration is less common. Man, think about that sentence. Most people with pedophilic tendencies eventually act on their sexual urges in some way. That's scary. Most. Don't like to hear the word most in this context at all. Uh, the Harvard researchers also further stress their point that this problem is a scary one, uh, is a tough one to solve, stating fears about predatory behavior are valid. Most pedophiles who act on their impulses do so by manipulating children and gradually desensitizing them to inappropriate behavior. And finally, they say estimates of recidivism vary because studies define this term in different ways. One review found recidivism rates of 10 to 50% among pedophiles previously convicted of sexual abuse, although this could include anything from an arrest for an offense to reconviction of a crime against a child. One long-term study of previously convicted pedophiles with an average follow-up of 25 years found that one-fourth of heterosexual pedophiles and one-half of homosexual or bisexual pedophiles went on to commit another sexual offense against children. Those numbers, a lot higher than 6%. And here's what James Cantor, PhD, an international expert on pedophilia, associate professor of psychiatry at the University of Toronto, uh, not, not called Diddle City ever, uh, and the editor-in-chief of Sexual Abuse, a journal of research and treatment, had to say about treating pedophiles in a 2013 interview. He said, therapists have been attempting to turn pedophiles into non-pedophiles for a very long time, but no one has presented any objective evidence of any enduring change in sexual interests. Uh, pedophilia can be meaningfully, meaningfully described as a sexual orientation. Scientists have more specifically called it an age orientation. How creepy is that? Some people are attracted to an age. Could be 14, could be 10, could be five, could be younger. Uh, Dr. Cantor continues, the best treatments we have available for pedophiles help them develop the skills they need to live a healthy, offense-free life, and in some cases to block their sex drives if they feel this would help them. We have not yet found a way to convert pedophiles into non-pedophiles that are any more effective than the many failed attempts to convert gay men and lesbians into heterosexuals. So obviously, uh, you know, not being able to, to change their mode of thinking, very concerning. Uh, there is no cure for pedophilia any more than you can cure heterosexuality or homosexuality or bisexuality or any other sexual preference. At the end of the day, researchers still aren't sure exactly why we all are attracted to what we are attracted to. On various studies, pedophiles show signs that their sexual interests are related to brain structure and that at least some differences exist in their brains between them and non-pedophiles. Uh, 
uh, and, those, and those differences may exist before birth. Now, an important thing to note here, when talking about pedophiles and when talking about other sex offenders with an actual sexual attraction towards something like sadism is that not all sex offenders share this attraction, share these attractions. A sex offender who was convicted of, uh, of rape after getting really drunk and ignoring someone's demands to stop is sometimes a, a very different offender than someone who is actually attracted to the act of raping. Not everyone who rapes wants to rape more and more and more. Not everyone who molests one child wants to molest as many as they can get their hands on. And again, you can argue that one time is too many times, and I hear you. I, I just want to clarify that when it comes to the issue of is a convicted sex offender bound to reoffend if we let them out of prison, some, depending on their kind of attractions, much, 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 much more likely to reoffend than others. Um, a lot of the research I came across stated that molesting a child doesn't necessarily mean that someone's a pedophile, uh, that they're hardwired to have sex with kids. Yeah, sometimes it's a random crime of opportunity, not part of a pattern. Um, I remember uh, learning years ago about how sexuality exists on a spectrum, uh, the Kinsey scale. You've probably heard of it. Famous sexologist, Dr. Alfred Kinsey and some other researchers uh, he worked with developed a theory of sexuality, uh, that sexuality is fluid. It first uh, was published back in 1948 and the Kinsey team interviewed thousands of people about their sexual histories. Research showed that sexual behavior, thoughts, feelings towards the same or opposite sex were not always consistent across time. Instead of uh, assigning people to three categories, heterosexual, bisexual, homosexual, the team used a a seven-point scale, and there's actually another kind of category they threw in there. It ranges from zero to six with with an additional category of X. So zero, exclusively heterosexual. One, predominantly heterosexual, only incidentally homosexual, some bestiality uh, and tendencies. Two, predominantly heterosexual, but more than incidentally homosexual, pretty into bestiality. Three, equally heterosexual and homosexual and into animals. Four, predominantly homosexual, but more than incidentally heterosexual and interested in groups and group sex uh, situations with animals. Five, predominantly homosexual, only incidentally heterosexual and attracted uh, to horses or other large animals. Six, uh, exclusively homosexual, and, and hopefully you know all the animal references in this scale were made up nonsense by me, but the rest is legit. And then X, no sociosexual contacts or reactions, kind of like it's a, like an asexual. Um, so where are you on this scale? And thinking about this scale will lead to uh, some thoughts on, on pedophilia. This is where I'm bringing this up. Uh, I'm a zero, which doesn't make me homophobic. I've actually uh, been so not homophobic for a number of years. I've often been a, uh, thought to be homosexual by certain, probably somewhat homophobic people who think men shouldn't, you know, uh, hug too long or kiss each other on the cheeks or sit too close to each other. I can hug dude friends. I'm a hugger. I can give dude, dude friends a l- little peck. Even on the lips in the right situation. Uh, you did it, you beautiful bastard. You're engaged. Mwah! Whatever. Uh, I don't get aroused in these moments. If I did, I'd be at least incidentally homosexual. Dicks just don't do it for me uh, other than the one that I have. And I wouldn't even want to put that one in my mouth if I was that flexible. The, the, the good feeling of having a mouth on my dick would be canceled out by the uncomfortable feeling of knowing that the dick was in my mouth. But when I, have, uh, when I was going through puberty, I, I uh, have had sex with items outside the homosexual or heterosexual spectrum. That's where paraphilia kind of comes in and, you know, pedophilia falls under paraphilia. Like like uh, like some pillows, like a banana peel one time in a grocery store bathroom, a uh, grocery store I worked at. Not going to go into great detail with that incident, but there were several incidents of, I wonder what that would feel like if I put my dick on it or put my dick in it. And then I found out. And I doubt any longtime listeners are surprised. But I, I wasn't really outside the scale, I guess, because I still fantasized about some woman. You know, uh, you know my dick may have been in a, in a cushion, but... I was thinking about Anna Nicole Smith when she just become a Playboy centerfold or, or a few other centerfolds or some girls I went to school with or my mom's friend Paula. 
I thought about, I thought about true story. I thought about them while I fucked a pillow or whatever. The attraction wasn't to the pillow. The pillow was just a masturbatory accessory. Um, that's not the case for everyone. You know, space lizard, Patreon lizard, recently heard the secret suck about a guy who's sexually attracted to cars. He likes to fuck his car. He has a sex relationship with his car. He's on a whole other scale outside of the Kinsey scale. That's, uh, that's objectophilia, sexual, and uh, sometimes also romantic attractions to an intimate, inanimate object. Objectophilia is another type of paraphilia. Other paraphilias are uh, necrophilia, sexual attraction towards corpses, uh, peakerism, sexual uh, arousal by piercing the flesh of another person, most commonly through cutting or stabbing with a sharp object. Uh, think of Russian serial killer Andrei Gikatilo. Uh, raptophilia, sexual attraction towards raping someone. Uh, coprophilia, attraction towards feces, literally turned on by shit or the act of someone shitting. And of course, pedophilia, sexual attraction towards prepubescent children. And there is no cure for paraphilias. Uh, what's that quote? Uh, the heart wants what the heart wants. Well, unfortunately for some, so, so do the genitals. Uh, more specifically, even though some women pedophiles do exist, uh, usually it's the wean wants what the wean wants. And some people have super fucked up evil weans that want to stick themselves in terrible places, uh, like a variety of holes that, sh- that don't want them to be there. Um, and, and we talked about various other paraphilias before, like, like Jeffrey Dahmer. You know, he was attracted to specific body parts like the bicep. Sexually aroused when cutting someone's bicep off. Again, Chikatilo, you know, sexually attracted to bloodshed, specifically to stabbing and cutting someone. Uh, stabbing, uh, you know, would, would sometimes cause him to uh, spontaneously ejaculate. So, th- so there's actually a much wider spectrum of sexuality than what you would think of on that Kinsey scale. And, and what, what seems to have, uh, you know, been proven time and time again with studies is that your sexual orientation isn't necessarily like uh, – based on who you're having or what you're having sex with in the moment. It's based on what you fantasize about, uh, if that makes sense. So like uh, uh, a pedophile might be able to have sex with uh, with an adult. Sometimes they can be attracted to both. The, the The spectrum of sexuality is very fluid that way sometimes where people can have numerous attractions. Think about like bisexuals. Um, and, and, so sometimes, and, you know, some people are more sexually attracted to children than others. And what's terrifying about it is even if they're not having sex with a kid, that's what they have to think about to turn themselves on. Like for me, uh, if I wanted to ejaculate, I had to fuck uh, – when I was fucking a pillow, I had to think about a woman. I couldn't think about, man, fuck a sexy-ass pillow. Oh, man, I still love fucking pillows, you know, because my orientation is heterosexual, and, and, and that will never change. Study after study has shown that whatever your sexual orientation is that way, whatever your sexual preference is, excuse me, sexual preference, it's going to stay that way. You know, if you like dudes, you're always going to like dudes. If you like women, you're always going to like women. If you like both, you're always going to like both on some level. And unfortunately, if you want to fuck kids, you're always going to want to fuck kids. Um, and, and And I know some people don't necessarily believe in this spectrum of sexuality. It makes a lot of sense to me. I just think about how complex we meet sacks are in general. Like think, think about our preferences for music. What one person passionately believes to be the best band ever, another person despises. Uh, some meat sacks don't care about music in general. Uh, crazy, I know, but I've, I've met them. You know, uh, meat sack tastes and preferences vary widely. Uh, think about how different we all are physically, how many different conditions and syndromes and disorders there are where, you know, someone can have a much harder skin than someone else or have a totally different arm to torso, torso ratio or, or not have arms or legs, but be otherwise fine. Or have arms and legs and have those be fine, but have uh, some digestive problems or have facial deformities or speech impediments like me, like a mush mouth. So many obvious physical differences we have. Well, the mind is very different as well. Uh, We think in so many different ways. Math comes easy for some, but not for others. 
Some people have better vocabulary skills. Some people have better memories. Uh, you know, some people are, are just much smarter overall than other people. Just like some people run faster than the rest of us. Some people think faster, think better. So why would sexuality be any less diverse, any less complex, right? There are just so many different attractions and fetishes and interests and sexual inclinations. And to pretend otherwise, I think is a little bit silly. So we now know that there are people who are attracted to children in a way that cannot be cured. That is their, that's how they're wired sexually. There are, there are others who are wired in a way that they're attracted to sexually harming others, the act of harm, you know, so a form of sadism and, and that can't be changed. So what do we do with these people? What do we do with this specific type of sex offender, uh, the career criminal of sexual offenders, so to speak? Well, um, you know, uh, I, I can't think right now, um, or sorry, uh, what we should do with sex offenders is probably probably different than what we do with other criminals. You know, I can't think right now about how we should punish someone for shoplifting any more than I can think about how to punish someone for for date rape or, or a sexual crime of uh, opportunity. Today, I'm just looking at the, the very specific crime of sexual offenders who are very likely to reoffend and cannot be cured. I do think they're a very specific type of criminal, and, and, and legislators have felt the same way. And, and that all brings us to pedophile islands. So now we're here. Hopefully, everything has made sense. I know it's a lot of information. I uh, wrote and rewrote and rewrote and rewrote this over and over again to try to get it uh, the most clear. Okay, so off the coast of Washington State are many picturesque islands populated with wealthy vacation owners, but McNeil Island, that's a different one, it's currently inhabited by around 240 sexually violent predators whose prison sentences have ended, but the state still refuses to release them. Uh, these residents are, in the view of the state, the rapists and child molesters who are more, most likely to commit new offenses. And sex offenders finish serving prison times, uh, you know, after they finish serving prison times for the crimes they committed, an end-of-sentence review committee assesses whether or not they believe this person uh, will be a continual offender, and uh, and if they are deemed to be you know high risk, then uh, deemed to meet the definition of a sexually violent predator, then they're they're sent off to this McNeil Island Treatment Center, established in 1990, uh, for an indefinite period of time to receive treatment. Once sent there, it's proven nearly impossible to convince a court so far to re-release them. Uh, the island, referred to some as Pedophile Island, only accessible by a ferry that runs every two hours. Uh, sits deep in the Puget Sound, less than a mile from other islands, uh, you know, not home to, to nothing but sex offenders. About two miles west of Tacoma. It's less than seven square miles in size, has a long history of incarceration. Normally at this point, I jump into a time select timeline, but that's just, it's just not going to take long for this part today. Uh, opened in 1875, uh, the McNeil, you know, treatment center previously served as a territorial correctional facility. So that's what it opened as first in 1875. It's a territorial correctional facility, and then it changed to a federal penitentiary. Uh, Americans sentenced to terms of imprisonment by the U.S. courts that operated in China in the late 19th and early 20th century uh, would serve their terms in McNeil Island. In the 1910s, inmates included Robert Stroud, the bird band of Alcatraz, who fatally stabbed a prison guard on the island in March 1916. During World War II, 85 Japanese Americans who resisted the draft to protest their wartime confinement were sentenced to prison terms in McNeil. Uh, all were later pardoned by President Truman in 1947. Uh, for a short time in the 1960s, uh, the island was actually the uh, home to infamous cult leader and early suck subject Charles Manson. The state of Washington began to lease the facility from the federal government in 1991. Later that year, the State Department of Corrections began moving prisoners into the facility, renamed it McNeil Island Correction Center, and the island was deeded to the state government in 1984. The Special Commitment Center 
for these uh, high-risk sex offenders was established on the island in April 1990 to manage those committed uh, under it uh, or committed to it under a new act, an act called the Community Protection Act of 1990. More on that controversial legislation here in a bit. Uh, in the beginning, the commitment center managed only six people. That number grew at a rate of about 22 uh, residents a year. In late 2001, a temporary secure community transition facility was established in order to comply with legislation that allowed court-ordered conditional releases. In 2003, uh, the SCTF, that Security Community Transition Facility, was moved to its present to its present permanent location in the North Complex on McNeil Island. In May 2004, in the same complex, the SCC Special Commitment Center opened a dedicated facility known as the Total Confinement Facility to house confined residents. On April 1st, 2011, the McNeil Island Corrections Complex was closed because of state budget cuts, but the Special Commitment Center remained open. So, you know, for for a long time, for many, many years, it was a prison, and then for uh, a little while, it was a prison, and it also had the Special Commitment Center. Then the prison went away, and now the only thing on the island is the Special Commitment Center. So why did Washington State open this Special Commitment Center in 1990? Why did they suddenly start putting pedophiles on the island? Uh, I mean, there were obviously pedophiles, high-risk pedophiles, long before 1990. Why, why not do it sooner? Well, it has to do with some public outrage. Public outrage over a string of terrible sex crimes committed in the late 80s by three sex offenders who'd already been caught previously for similar crimes. And this pushed legislators to push through new sex offender-specific legislation. These crimes were committed by previously convicted sex offenders the state knew were dangerous, knew were at a high risk to reoffend, but couldn't legally keep them in prison. The first of these three, of course, was Pat Sajak. No, it was not. Why do I want to keep saying that? It was Earl Schreiner. Uh, in May 1987, Earl K. Schreiner, a mentally disabled man with a long criminal record, completed a 10-year sentence in Washington for kidnapping and assaulting two teenage girls. He had a 24-year criminal history of killing sexual assault, and kidnapping. Prior to his discharge, prison officials learned that he intended to torture children after he was released. And they tried vigorously to detain him through existing civil commitment laws that covered mental illness. However, they were unable to legally prove he was dangerous under those existing laws, and the state had no choice but to release Shriner, a man they knew they were going to hear from again. Two years after his release, Schreiner raped and strangled a seven-year-old boy in Tacoma, Washington, cut his penis off, and left him in the woods to die. And he did die. Uh, fuck. They knew he would do something like this, but they couldn't stop him. They knew he was sick, that he suffered from a compulsion to sexually and violently assault children, but they had to let him go. The Schreiner case came to public attention one year after a young Seattle businesswoman was kidnapped and murdered by, a, by a, a different inmate, an inmate on, on a work release program, Gene Raymond Kane. Gene had been placed on work release after serving his 13-year sentence for attacking two women. Kane had been turned down. I mean, this is unbelievable to me. Kane had just been turned down before this release to this, uh, this work program, uh, turned down by the state's existing sexual psychopathy program because the mental hospital considered him too dangerous for them to handle. How crazy is that? Too dangerous for a sexual psychopath program, but not too dangerous for work release. They knew he was fucking dangerous, but again, they just didn't have the legal means to continue to confine him. Shortly after being released on September 26, 1988, Gene abducted, raped, and murdered a 29-year-old woman. In response to these crimes and significant public outcry from these first two offenders, the governor, then governor, 
of Washington, Booth Gardner appointed citizens, professionals, and legislators in May 1989 to a task force on community protection, asked them to recommend changes to state law. And then during the task force deliberations, Washington State had a new child murderer make headlines, arguably the worst of these three, uh, one Wesley Allen Dodd. Wow, this fucking, oh man, off the charts. One afternoon in late 1989, 28-year-old Wesley walked into the bathroom of a movie theater in Camas, Washington little suburb that borders Vancouver, just across the Columbia River from Portland, Oregon. In the theater, Dodd had spotted a five-year-old boy and waited for him to use the bathroom. A few moments later, Dodd grabbed him, started moving towards the door. As Dodd is walking out of the theater with a boy in his arms, the child starts crying. Theater employees immediately become suspicious. The boy starts fighting to get out of his grasp. When the boy begins screaming for help, they knew they were witnessing an abduction and they ran after Dodd. Realizing he wasn't going to get away with taking this kid, Dodd lets the kid go, runs to his car. Meanwhile, employees tell the child's mother and her boyfriend, William Graves, that her son had almost been abducted. Graves immediately asks for a description of Dodd's car and, uh, and, and runs after it on foot. Fuck yeah, man. Protect this kid. He, he finds Dodd's car just a few blocks from the theater. It had broke down. Pretending to offer Wesley help, Graves approaches Dodd, then puts him in a headlock and, and hopefully snuck in a few fucking punches. Uh, Graves then physically hauls Dodd back to the theater like a fucking champion where other witnesses bound Dodd's arms with the belt as they wait for the police to I hope this guy was given a key to the fucking city. Hopefully more punches were snuck in, maybe a knee to the head, maybe a stomp to the nuts, right? Just keep yelling at the uh, person to stay put. Just tell, just keep yelling uh, at them to, to try uh, to stop trying to escape as you continually stomp on their nuts. Uh, once in police custody, Dodd starts to confess to much more than this attempted abduction. Uh, the incident in the movie theater wasn't the first. Uh, there had been many others, and not all the victims had been lucky uh, uh, as lucky as this boy and been able to escape. After three days of questioning, Dodd ends up to confessing to having murdered, or ends up confessing to having murdered three children. Armed with a search warrant, police search Dodd's room in the town of Vancouver, Washington. Inside, they find photographs of one of the murdered children and the boy's underwear. Nearby is a homemade torture rack and a diary containing a meticulous record of his murder. Uh, and, after, and Dodd's arrest, criminal history, and subsequent insights into the, into the mind of this violent pedophile lead legislators to, to push through legislation that would lead to Pedophile Island. Uh, Wesley Allen Dodd grew up in Washington in a somewhat troubled home. He was a shy kid who had a dark sexual compulsion to expose himself to other children. This guy is like the, the poster child for high-risk offenders. Uh, he began uh, acting on his compulsion to uh, expose himself to other children when he was just 13. Exposing himself wasn't enough. And Dodd began t- uh, to molest his younger cousins, and neighborhood kids. At 15, he was arrested for one of these incidents. But due to his youth, the police declined to pursue charges and recommended he get counseling. Dodd continued molesting kids for the next several years. In 1981, he joined the Navy. He was discharged after his superiors discovered he was molesting kids on base. This time, he serves 19 days in jail, 19 days, and is ordered to undergo counseling. The counseling has no effect on Dodd's compulsion to harm children. He falls into a routine of molesting more kids, getting caught over and over and over again, being released with a slap on the wrist. Uh, Dodd's uh, sexual desires grow darker over the years. He wrote in his diary about a desire not to just molest children, but to murder them. Darker still, he began writing about the possibility of performing medical experiments on his child victims to turn them into kid zombies he could victimize over and over at will. He's like fucking the pedophile version of Jeffrey Dahmer. Some dude wanted to turn kids into sex zombies. Uh, in September 1989, 
He lures Cole and William Near, 11 and 10 respectively, into a wooded area, forces them to undress, ties them to a tree, molests them, tortures them, stabs them repeatedly, and leaves them to die. A month later, he lures a four-year-old boy into his apartment, keeps him overnight, molesting him while taking photographs, wants to wait to kill him so that the body will be fresh enough to perform his fucked-up zombie experiments. In the morning, Dodd strangles him, hangs his body in the closet before leaving for work. When he returns, takes the body down, disposes of it in the trash bags, and some trash bags only keeping the boy's underwear. Uh, when the little guy's body is discovered, a manhunt is launched. Wesley Allen Dodd, meanwhile, stays in his apartment making plans for future murders and constructing that torture rack. The torture rack where he was going to torture his next victim, which, which would have been that kid from the movie theater if people hadn't intervened. And while this next part has nothing to do really with today's story, I, I found it too interesting not to share about Dodd. Less than four years after confessing to these murders, Dodd was executed. I, I guess this will have something to do with today's story. I, I'll, I'll tie this in later. He, he refuses to appeal his case, and he asks for capital punishment. He insists that he is uncontrollable and that he will kill again, stating in one court brief, I must be executed before I have an opportunity to escape or kill someone else. If I do escape, I promise you, I will kill and rape again, and I will enjoy every minute of it. That's what he says in court. He also says in some interviews that death would give him relief from guilt he has over the murders. During his trial, he actually writes a pamphlet for parents on uh, how parents can protect children from child molesters such as himself. He also chooses to be hanged because that's how his final victim died. His hanging was uh, the first use of that method for an execution in the U.S. in almost 30 years. So clearly this guy felt a strong, uncontrollable compulsion to sexually abuse, hurt, and kill kids for his own sexual pleasure. He knew he was very, very sick. He would have uh, volunteered, I'm sure, to be put on this island. Uh, the public outcry that follows these crimes eventually leads to then-Governor Booth Gardner to sign the Community Protection Act of 1990. And, and we're going to talk about this act right after a word from today's final sponsor. Uh, Time Suck is brought to you today by Lisa. Seriously, they, uh, they didn't know either, by the way. Love Lisa. They didn't know what today's topic was going to be either. For fuck's sake. Today's pedophile island time suck is brought to you by both an erectile dysfunction ad and a mattress ad. Two things pedophiles should stay away from, boners and beds. Just reemphasizing, Lisa didn't know. Great sponsor. They've been amazing in time suck. Uh, time suck is brought to you today by Lisa. Everybody has the right to rest, except maybe the subjects of today's suck. Uh, the key to getting your rest, your best rest, is the right mattress. Meet Lisa with two awesome mattresses plus accessories and bases for better, deeper rest. They've been upgrading. The all-foam Lisa mattress is new and improved. It was already great. Now it's new and improved. Featuring cooling LSA 200 foam for enhanced pressure relief for sleeps, uh, for side sleepers. Uh, or rest on their Sapira hybrid mattress. The perfect combination of foam and, and spring for pressure relief and edge-to-edge -edge support. Lisa's mission is to provide a better night's sleep for everybody. And from day one, Lisa set out to create a company with heart, and they have done so. Uh, that's why they donate one mattress, as you know, for every 10 they sell to organizations uh, that work in causes like foster care prevention. I didn't, I didn't know before today that that was a specific uh, you know, charity they worked with or, or organization they worked with. Fantastic. The more I, le I learn about Lisa, the more I love them. Keep getting better. Uh, to date, they've donated more than 32,000 mattresses through more than 1,000 nonprofit organizations. Uh, Lindsay and I love Lisa. We love our Lisa mattress. We love to sink in, but not so much you can't bounce out in the morning. I love their memory foam. They don't overdo it. They don't underdo it. It's like the Goldilocks third bowl of uh, porridge. It's Goldilocks mattress. It's just right. Not too soft. 
Not too hard. And Lisa's having a sale you want to get in on. Don't uh, want to get in on, excuse me. Don't miss Lisa's President's Day sale. Get 15% off today, right? Get, get 15% off any matches for a limited time at lisa.com slash timesuck. Use promo code timesuck. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash timesuck. Promo code timesuck. Link in the episode description. Lisa sponsor button on the timesuck website and app takes you straight to the deal. <sighs> mattress and erectile dysfunction. I did not put that together until right before the show, and it is darkly hilarious to me. Okay, uh, excuse me. Back to Washington State's Community Protection Act of 1990. The, the controversial act was a package of laws aimed at sex offenders, including tougher sentences, a sex offender registration, and the creation of a procedure that allowed authorities to indefinitely lock up sex offenders when a court believes them to be a continued threat to the community. The task force focuses attention on remedying the powerless powerlessness that state officials faced in 1987 when Shriner was released. Uh, every proposal for, for reform was tested against this key question. Would it offer the state the necessary power to contain someone like Shriner, who had reached the end of their maximum criminal sentence and yet clearly posed extreme risk to the public? The task force solution enacted by the legislature uh, addressed a small group of sex offenders called sexually violent predators. Individuals in this category were defined as those who have been convicted of or charged with a crime of sexual violence and suffer from a mental abnormality or personality disorder, which makes the person likely to engage in predatory acts of sexual violence, you know, which includes uh, pedophilia. Uh, the law uh, authorizes prosecutors or the attorney general to initiate civil proceedings for a person whose sentence for a sexual violent offense has expired or is about to expire. And that person, one, has been convicted of a sexually violent crime and is nearing the end of the criminal sentence of their criminal sentence. Two, has committed a sexually violent offense as a juvenile and is about to be released. Three, has been charged with a violent sexual offense but has been determined to be incompetent to stand trial. Or four, uh, has been found not guilty of a sex offense by reason of insanity. So if they fulfill any of those uh, criteria, they can be sent to this uh, you know, civil commitment center. Since the passage of this act, 19 other states have enacted similar civil commitment laws. There are now more than 5,200 people civilly committed in the U.S. according to a 2017 survey of 20 civil commitment centers. About half of the states with such laws allow the commitment of individuals who offended as juveniles. Many of these committed uh, are diagnosed with some sort of paraphilia. And out of all these centers, Washington's civil commitment center, Pedophile Island, is unique because it's the only one on an island dedicated to housing only sex offenders and also the first of its kind. And all of these centers have been and continue to be controversial. You know, I mean, basically just centering around, is it okay to continue to hold someone in what essentially is a prison after their prison sentence has been completed for, for any circumstance? You know, I mean, I mean, what if we had uh, some test to see if someone was going to probably murder again in a non-sexual way or probably going to rob a bank or probably going to deal drugs? W would it be acceptable to have similar detainment centers for any other area of criminality? Is allowing these civil commitment centers to do what they do, creating a slippery slope to detain other people past their sentences? Are we getting into weird, you know, 1984 Orwellian territory here? Uh, there have been a number of constitutional ch challenges to this center, to these centers, typically involving due process, ex uh, post facto double jeopardy clauses. Legal questions have been raised regarding the civil commitment of uh, sexually violent predators or those of similar designations. And the U.S. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court has upheld the constitutionality of these centers uh, every time so far. It's been three major cases so far, and every time they're like, nope, it stays. Uh, the Florida Civil Commitment Center currently holds up to 720 residents, billed as the worst pre uh, sexual predators in that state. But the committee who decides whether or not to continue to detain these inmates has a slight conflict of interest in its hands. 
Uh, it's a private treatment center. The commitment center is ran by Four Correct Care Recovery Solutions, a spinoff company of the GEO Group, one of the nation's largest private prison contractors, and it's the source of over $270 million in revenue. So that, that I don't love that. I don't love the privatization of this. I mean, again, if, if any group of inmates other than high-risk pedophiles were being detained, would we be okay with the private company holding these prisoners indefinitely for profit? I mean, doesn't that slightly fuck with a citizen's constitutional rights? Isn't that a scary territory to, to walk into? Uh, while 20 states have laws that allow for the involuntary and indefinite civil commitment of sexually violent predators, only Florida has turned the operation so far uh, into a private for profit or turned it, turned it, uh, turned the operation of its commitment center over into the hands of a, a for profit private contractor. Um, Moreover, Florida uh, involuntarily commits more people than any other state. California ranks second. A new law that increases the pool of offenders Florida can consider for civil commitment will likely increase the number of residents even further. Uh, Other measures are also being taken to put uh, sex offenders behind bars for longer periods of time in Florida. A law signed recently by former Florida Governor Rick Scott, he just became a senator in January, extended civil commitment eligibility to offenders serving jail sentences. Um. Yeah, again, that that makes that makes me nervous. That makes me nervous. Um, you know, what if more civil commitment centers become for profit schemes? You know, businesses that in, that indefinitely can confine uh, or you know incarcerate individuals under the guise of treatment, or or under the belief that they may commit future crimes. A uh, center in Minnesota was recently the subject of a lawsuit because in the in the over two decades of its existence, it has never released an inmate. Um, the Association of the, for the Treatment of Sexual Abusers does not take a position either in favor of or opposed to the use of these centers. However, ATSA believes that jurisdictions choosing to implement such legislation should be careful. Uh, be careful in a manner consistent with relevant research and the best practices in assessing, treating, and managing sexual offenders. Uh, they have some summary uh, some, or some recommendations for who should be detained and, and how should it be how should these detainments be handled. Says for a small group of chronic, violent, or predatory offenders, confinement and treatment may be appropriate and necessary to safeguard the community. Uh, sexual predator assessments should be conducted using empirically validated risk assessment instruments, measures, and methods. Uh, the state should provide a contemporary, properly designed prison-based treatment program to enable incarcerated offenders to receive treatment in order to promote risk reduction and successful community reintegr- reintegration. Uh, if a state chooses to implement civil commitment, it should be reserved for sexual offenders who are found to pose the highest threat to public safety. Treatment that follows the end of incarceration slash criminal jurisdiction in cases where a state elects to implement civil commitment should also be consistent with current research and professional standards and guidelines. Prior to being considered for uh, civil commitment, offenders should be offered opportunities during their regular criminal sentences to address their risk-relevant mental disorders and needs through properly designed and competently implemented treatment. So give them a chance to rehabilitate before they can uh, be reviewed. Uh, so, so basically that's how these centers are set up. So what is life like in these places? How is pedophile Island actually kind of ran uh, McNeil islands unpopulated again, except for those 214 people ish uh, who, who live in the special 214, 240 found a few different numbers between 200, and 250 people probably currently uh, right now live in this special commitment center. The people sent to the uh, McNeil Island are called residents, as we said, not inmates. Um, and many of those committed are diagnosed with some form of paraphilia. Mental health professional mental health professionals are are split as to whether that diagnosis uh, for commitment is appropriate. Though Dr. Shan 
Dr. Sean, I guess. Sean, I don't know. Sean Jumper, president of the Sexual uh, Offender Civil Commitment Programs Network, told an interviewer in October of 2018, many of the sexual violent predator evaluations for men convicted of rape are diagnosed with paraphilia, not otherwise specified. The controversy lies, he said, in the fact that the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders does not have a specific classifications for adults who are sexually aroused by those who don't consent. So they have a hard time determining if someone, you know, uh, and they have a hard time determining in like a psychological way if someone truly is attracted to the act of like raping or not or truly attracted to kids or not. Uh, fundamentally, these laws are about predicting a person's future risk, uh, which presents its own kind of, you know, philosophical and moral dilemmas. Uh, to assess risk, the states use actuarial scales, which predict an offender's risk kind of the same way uh, a car insurance company determines uh, insurance rates. Um, you know, they, they they have this test and that produces a score based on a number of mostly unchangeable things, including criminal and relationship history. So basically, like once you fail it, it's very hard to pass it later based on your past actions that you can't change. Um, current research and, actu- uh, and actuarial tools are designed to predict are not designed, excuse me, to, pre- to predict individual risk, says Dr. Michael Miner, a professor of human sexuality at the University of Minnesota. He says, to some extent, the criminal justice system is requiring opinions to be made, requiring decisions to be made that go somewhat beyond the knowledge base that we have. So this is a tricky ethical dilemma of this. You know, there just, there isn't enough information to really, truly figure out if it's impossible to cure these, these people and to truly determine if, you know, there, there is some uh, better way to deal with this problem. Uh, Miner says that aside from the problems with risk assem- assessment, he questions the entire civil commitment process. He says, you either have a mental defect that makes it unlikely that you can control your behavior and therefore you're not guilty by reason of insanity or you're responsible for your behavior. It seems to me that a more honest system would at the front end say, we think you're a bad guy and we're not going to let you out. We're going to give you a life sentence. I'm not advocating for life sentences for sex offenders, but that seems like a more honest approach. I like that thought. I mean, at the very least, repeat sexual offenders should be maybe given life. You know, if you mess up once, maybe you were falsely excused or something, but twice, I highly doubt you were that unlucky. Uh, and maybe some, you know, certain sexual offense crimes uh, should just be one and done crimes. Uh, in therapy on Pedophile Island, offenders are encouraged to disclose all of their sexual deviance to help them understand the scope of their problem. Uh, clinicians then target the factors that make them vulnerable to reoffend. Um, but then, then these things can be can be brought up later. Like, uh, oh, sorry, sorry. I, I'm skipping ahead here. Skipping ahead. I was thinking about, uh, sorry, bouncing on my notes. Um, I'll get to that in a second. They're supposed to, they're encouraged to bring up all of their, you know, uh, uh, problems in the past and th- reasons why they may reoffend. And then the, uh, the goal is to uh, mitigate risk by modifying the thoughts and emotions, you know, regarding these t- t- uh, problem issues. Dr. Elena Lopez, chief of resident treatment at the SCC, says, we focus on what we can change. It's different for every person. They might have their own internal uh, personal handles that keep them from progressing, personality traits, motivation, acute medical conditions, stressors, et cetera. All civil commitment centers offer treatment, but participation isn't mandatory. On McNeil Island, about 62% of the residents participate in treatment, which is weird to me. So what? So 38% are just resigned to just staying there forever. Uh, once someone is labeled a sexually violent predator and committed to a civil commitment center, yeah, very difficult for them to get released. Uh, they have the right to an annual review in which the court goes over their history and treatment progress and considers release. Uh, they have a yearly evaluation by a forensic team which reviews documents, interviews offenders, clinicians, uh, and collects results from a polygraph and penile 
plethys, oh man, pleth, pleth, plethysmography, plethysmography, uh, a tool designed to measure sexual violence. I should have, uh, I thought I had a handle on it when I didn't, when I read it. But there's this tool, basically a little band put, put around your wing, and it's like, it's like a blood pump or blood pressure pump, you know, a reader for your wing, right? It just finds out how hard you're getting. Uh, what a weird job somebody has. Somebody's job right now is to show a perv pictures of kids and find out how hard that makes their dick. Right? What a fun. I always think about like the weird job. I always think that the people who have to carry out these kind of things, right? There's somebody in a lab coat just being like, what about, what about this kid? What about, what if this kid was wearing a jumper? What if they were holding an ice cream cone? What if, what if you were holding an ice cream cone that you were going to give to them? What if they were jumping rope while you held the ice cream cone? And then ding, 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 like alarm goes off. Ho, ho, back, nope, back in your cell, Charlie. You're not getting off the island uh, until jump ropes start giving you, uh, stop giving you half chups. It's fucking crazy. That's somebody's job. Um, Dr. Holly Coriel, chief of forensic services at the SEC, said forensic evaluators are ultimately looking to answer three psycho-legal questions when determining if a resident is ready to leave. Does the person continue to meet the legal criteria for a sexually violent predator? Are less restrictive alternatives in the person's best interest? Can conditions be imposed that would adequately, adequately protect the community they're being released into? Uh, forensic evaluators answer these questions in a recommendation that is then forwarded to the court, creating the opportunity for release hearings, but arguing that a sex offender should be released to the community, very uphill battle. The stake is to say at the beginning of trial, he is a sexually violent predator, Canary said. Getting the jury to be on board with the idea that he may not be violent anymore is very difficult. And then making it even harder to earn release Although offenders were uh, encouraged to disclose everything in treatment. That's what I was thinking of earlier. Sorry, it popped in my head. I wasn't, it wasn't quite to the place where I should bring it up. But remember, they're, they're encouraged to disclose every uh, detail of their impulses in treatment. But then everything they say in treatment gets to be used as evidence uh, in this trial to decide if they're going to be released or not. And so when you know people hear about all the things that they're fantasizing about, probably not going to let them out. Uh, Canary says, when the jury hears this stuff, you have your client saying, well, uh, sure, I'm, I'm at risk to reoffend. Um, kind of hard to, uh, you know, have somebody put that in perspective and get the, get the jurors on your side. So uh, through the Washington court process, a civilly committed person can be released to less restrictive alternatives, which typically include outpatient treatment, tight restrictions, or they can be released without conditions. The number of people released nationally from these facilities, extremely low. On average, they, they each house about 260 people. Of the 16 states that provided release numbers to a 2017 survey of civil commitment centers, the average number of people released from a facility per year was seven. Five states released an average of less than one person per year. Uh, the low number of people released from these facilities makes it hard to research the effectiveness of these laws and these facilities because you don't know if the people they're housing would actually reoffend because you know they're never being let out. So are are these treatment centers the, the right course of action when dealing with pedophiles? I have some thoughts uh, that you may be able to guess that I'm that I'm going to share here soon. Uh, before I share them, let's check in with today's idiots of the internet. Idiots of the internet. Okay, so for today's video. I found an April 2018 TEDx talk titled, Let's Be Mature About Pedophilia. And uh, the speech, the speaker was uh, Pat, <laughs> I can't say it. The speaker was Pat Sajak. No, it was not. What? <laughs> That's so funny to me. It's so stupid. 
Oh God. Okay. No, the, the speaker was uh, Madeline Vander Vanderbruggen, who works as a psychologist and criminologist, and combines both in her work for the Dutch National Police. So Madeline talks about. I just can't. Sorry, I, I got to get this out of my head. I just can't stop thinking about the fucking guy from Wheel of Fortune. Being like, hey, we all have our crosses to bear. Oh, that's so fuck. Why? Why? Okay. I don't. I don't understand why my brain thinks the way it does sometimes. Uh, Madeline talks about how uh, 0.5 up to 3% of the male population has some pedophilic interest. I did, I did not research that particular number. That's, that's what she says. Uh, she, she isn't kind of an expert in this, this area. And again, kind of the stats kind of very wild on this stuff, but, but she, she makes this, she brings this up to in her speech to say that basically probably everybody at least knows a person, whether they know it or not, that has some pedophilic interest. According to Madeline, most people don't act out on these interests because they know it's illegal, and although they never act out on it, they will also never be able to talk about it to anybody. But sometimes they do. And when they do, she says we shouldn't hate them or judge them and throw rocks Excuse me, at, at offenders' houses. This is not going to solve this problem. We need to be able to talk about it. She asks that we be a mature society, agree that only when we are open about this topic will people be able to uh, you know, find the strength to come forward and then we'll be able to do more research and you know, help out society as a whole. And, and that's all from the gist of the written description for the video from watching it. I feel like the thrust of Madeline's talk is that a, there are different kinds of sex offenders, which we've already talked about here today. Uh, B research shows that many pedophiles uh, did not choose to be attracted to kids, which, which we know and C, we need to talk about what to do with them and not just immediately go to kill them all. Well, the internet does not agree. Almost 180,000 total views for her talk, and, and from a TEDx talk, I don't think I've ever seen this thumbs up, thumbs down ratio. So far, her video has gotten 1,400 thumbs ups, 14,000 thumbs downs. User Alex posts, let's talk about public hangings and why they should return. And, and that comment gets 1,400 likes. That comment gets as many likes as the video itself got. Anya Snow replies with, the guillotine is more classy. <laughs> All right, so so not really interested in the let's talk it out angle. But I, I got to say, full disclosure, uh, I don't hate these first two comments. I, I don't hate this next one either. Uh, user uh, Fabrizio posts, children are sacred. You don't mess with them. You don't defend those who do either. 1,300 thumbs up. Uh, uh, Fabrizio does bring up an important point. Why are pedophiles the most hated group of people, even in prison? Why are they considered the lowest of the low? Be because they attack the same people that the rest of us work so hard to protect, children. Uh, they, they prey on the most vulnerable members of society. Uh, Gordon M. Post, let's legalize murder to 1,800 upvotes, more than the actual video. <laughs> this topic, sending the comment section to a violent feeding frenzy, uh, which, which I get. It gets my blood boiling as well. Uh, the iller, the iller, fucking, I can't even read some of these names because they're not real words. People's YouTube handles are just fucking made up nonsense half the time. Uh, some nonsense word posts. Comment section gives me hope for the future. 1,800 likes. Uh, okay, so, so far, for, in my opinion, so so far, so good. At this point, starting to think that I guess I'm the idiot of the internet this week because I, I do agree to some level with everything that I've seen posted so far. And, you know, agreeing with a lot of comments in, in, a, in a YouTube video thread is typically not, not a good thing from what I've seen. Uh, but then Mountain Hare jumps the shark, taking this all needlessly into Conspiracyville. Like people on the web seem to love to do, posting, this is the end of the quote-unquote rainbow. Many of us predicted the diversity equality agenda was a tiptoe approach to legitimizing the abuse 
of innocent children. We see the agenda. It will be resisted. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? I get it. I get it. Equal opportunity. Okay. Day number one, I got to hire minorities. Okay. Day number two, I can't hate homosexuals indiscriminately. Day number three, everyone's fucking my kids. Like, what are you talking about? It's all part of the Illuminati's plan. They, they desperately want to fuck kids. And the best way to do that is to normalize pedophilia, right? Which is not what Madeline is talking about in her talk, by the way. She's asking society to think about this issue more, work on finding the best solution. And then this user's like, I see what you're doing. Okay. All right. You don't, I can never hire you for a babysitter, you son of a bitch. User Nick Rodriguez furthers this line of thought, as a lot of other people did in this thread. Uh, he posts, this is what the Clintons have been waiting for, for God's sake. <laughs> like Bill Clinton's at home watching this video and just furiously beaten off. Just, oh, yes, it's almost here, Hillary. Finally, old Slick Willie can start fucking the little ones. Woohoo! I've, I've already addressed the Clinton pedophile link and what nonsense it is in the Pizzagate suck. I don't fucking buy it. I know some of you don't agree. We, we will forever agree to disagree then. Uh, to me, it's just random slander and propaganda. No more valid than the thought of lizard people ruling the earth. But so many people on the web, they just, ah, they so want it to be true. They so want the Illuminati to be somehow tied to pedophiles, right? Like that's why people want power. So they can just fuck kids. That's all they want. Money and kid fucking. Um, user Terry Smith posts in all caps, the second time PEDX has tried to normalize the abuse of children, TEDx supports pedophilia. Okay. Now, I know a lot of you know uh, that I recently did a TEDx, so I do have some insight into this. And I, and I wish I could say something different. This actually is true. Uh, my TEDx uh, will be uh, on YouTube in a few months. Before I did it, they did ask me if I would help, quote, normalize the fucking of kids. And I said, yeah, yeah, of course, I get it, TEDx. Uh, the topic of my initial TEDx uh, talk was my sexy summer as an ice cream truck driver slash erotic child photographer. And I didn't even get to do that topic because it had been done so many times already. So I had to change it to uh, a, a talk titled Secrets, How to Get the Sexiest Kids to Keep. <laughs> so fucked up. And the TEDx people were like two boners up. We love it. Actually, two TEDx dudes came out, no clothes, they don't wear clothes in the meetings and just like did a like swing, like flip their boners up. We're like, papa, love it. That's how they just, that's how they pick. Actually, if you get two boners up, then you get your topic. No, it's fucking, of course it's not true. TEDx is not into pedophilia. They, what they're into is discussion. Let's talk about complicated issues, not just be like, fucking, I see what you're doing, Illuminati. Uh, let's talk about complicated issues like what to do with sex offenders. My TEDx guide, if, if you guide, I guess, or mentor, if you will, a uh, wonderful man named Eric, and he told me that my talk shouldn't be about providing answers, right? Don't tell people what to think. Get Just get them to think about an interesting issue, hopefully in a new way. And I do feel like that's what Madeline did in this talk, but the web whoo, clearly did not understand. And I'm not saying I agree with her. I don't. I don't agree with what seems to be her bias. I, I, I am harsher on this issue than her, but I wasn't like, fuck you, lady. I see what you're doing. No, he's bringing up a different point. Uh, user Fabrizio, we heard from him earlier. I, I, I didn't mind him earlier. Now I do mind him because now he posts, when people talked about how normalization of homosexuality was a gateway to this sort of thing, they were accused of being paranoid. And here we are. 
this old lie, man, it's fucking, will this one ever go away? This old homophobic hate mongering nonsensical lie. Uh, there is no link between pedophilia and homosexuality, right? It's, it's all in the same spectrum of sexuality that heterosexuality also exists. I know some people will just never understand that ever, ever, ever because of a variety of other belief systems. But no, no, no science supports that. There, being a homosexual doesn't make you any more likely than a heterosexual to molest a kid, right? Uh, plenty of heterosexual molesters out there. Very ignorant thought. Then smiley attitude goes Captain Obvious. I love a good Captain Obvious uh, statement. I haven't heard uh, one of these in a little while. And, and smiley attitude posts, yeah, if they're going to offend, then they should be locked far away from children. Fucking good thought. Smiley attitude. Great. Nice to have you at the meeting. Thanks for showing up at work today. If people are going to try and murder other people, they should not be allowed to do that. I'm out. Contributed my thought for the day. Good one. Good one. And finally, user Vestigo posts. <laughs> Why does this have to show up in the comments so often? Under this video, user Vestigo posts. Why is it always, all caps, Jews pushing for this? What are you talking about? She never mentioned anything about the Jewish people. Never mentioned that she was Jewish. You don't even know that she is Jewish. She might be. Fucking who cares? And since when has that been a big Jewish agenda? Since when did the Jewish people even had a fucking, you know, collective agenda? Right? Other than to maybe, you know, uh, have a country to live in. But like, really? To molest kids? It just feels like when it comes to the dumbest people on the internet, it's like if they're too dumb to think of anything relevant to post, they just post something like this shit. Something about, you know, just like uh, homophobic or something about uh, the Illuminati or like, or the Jewish people, right? If if they're just, if they're stumped, I don't even fucking understand what the word she is, she's using. God, but I want to post something. I got to put some something. I'm on the computer all day. I got to get something on there. Oh, I get it. I see what you're doing, Jews. The fuck? This comment gets likes. This comment gets like this comment got 102 likes. Got zero dislikes. Well, no, not true. It got one dislike because I disliked it. Thanks, idiots. Way to contribute to today's discussion. Idiots of the internet. internet. Okay. So do I agree? with the whole pedophile island solution, or do I have what I think is a better idea? I do have a different idea. Now, hear me out on this. This is radical, but please follow, don't get emotional and please follow the logic. On the one hand, you have a lot of pedophiles. Society doesn't know what to do with. Thousands and thousands and thousands of sex offenders who want to molest kids. And it's very expensive to lock them up. McNeil Island, it costs 180000 per resident per year. costs more in other treatment centers. Uh, on the other hand, there's a lot of kids in orphanages that are having a hard time finding a home, and it's expensive to keep them cared for as well. So don't freak out. What if we put pedophiles in charge of orphanages and just whatever happens, happens? Just hear me out. They don't get paid, uh, but they get what, you know, they want more than money. They get access to kids, and we provide, we don't have to provide funding for orphanages anymore then. They get a chance to have a parent who, who might not molest them. That's why I'm, in, that's why I'm saying they might not, is that, are we not willing to take that chance? I mean, that's something. And that's the most fucked up thing I've probably ever said on the show. Uh, that, that, of course, was intentionally fucked. That's a terrible idea. That is a terrible idea. I hope you knew that the whole time. I hope you knew the whole time that I knew the whole time that was terrible. No, but for real. For real, what do we do? Uh, well, while the trampling of some constitutional rights concerns me regarding the whole premise of continuing 
to keep someone locked up even after they've served their sentence. Uh, you know, the thought of letting people out of a prison who are attracted to harming children, who are attracted to raping adults or sexually torturing people like a Ted Bundy type person, that thought bothers me more. You know, paraphilia is like pedophilia. It's a mental disorder. Only with this mental disorder, you don't wash your hands way too often or or feel far too sad or hear voices when you don't get treated. You fuck kids. You know, you forget to take your bipolar medication. The consequences will affect uh, others in the way of having to deal with someone who's very depressed or unnaturally up. I mean, there could be the consequences of suicide. But even that is very different than forgetting to take your meds and fucking a couple of kids one weekend. I mean, I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Pedophilia is a disorder that, that experts admit we have no cure for. Uh, counseling and supervision may lower the odds that you'll relapse and molest someone, but they don't cure it. Compared to alcoholism, some alcoholics are able to go to meetings weekly or daily for years, surround themselves with a good support system, never touch a drink again. Sometimes they fall off the wagon and they get drunk, sometimes for the rest of their life, sometimes for a day, a week, a month, or a year. And that's tough for them. And that's tough for their friends and families, but it's not as tough as if, as if when they fell off the wagon, they started molesting or raping. A pedophile falls off the wagon, someone gets sexually assaulted. Someone's innocence is taken. Someone is, is given brutally painful memories they can never erase or, or, or worse, someone dies. I honestly feel bad for pedophiles if they are in fact born that way. That's fucking, that's terrible. How terrible. Truly, truly terrible to be born attracted to kids or, or attracted to sadistic torture if that's in fact what has happened. I also feel terrible for a dog who doesn't get vaccinated against rabies and then gets rabies. That fucking sucks for that dog. It's not that dog's fault. But in order to keep others safe, that dog has to die. That dog has to be put down for the, for the, for the greater good of general society. I feel the same way about violent high-risk pedophiles. I'm sorry that you're wired that way, but you're too much of a threat to continue to get to live in the general population. Wesley Allen Dodd knew that. He knew he had to be removed to keep society safe. Maybe someday there will be a cure. Some surgery to rewire one's brain uh, to eliminate this compulsion. And if that happens, hooray for society. Hooray for science. But until then, I think locking these predators up in special commitment centers like Pedophile Island is probably the best way to go. I, I don't like them to be privately owned. I, I'll just say that I personally am against that. Private prison, that's a whole other suck. Uh, I, I don't want to go down that road too far. But, but, I, but I, I do think they should be locked up. And also, I'll take it further. I don't think they should be allowed to just hang out and receive treatment. I think they should have to work. They should have to build something. They should have to make something profitable. And that's something, uh, you know, that, that's, that's being sold. The profits uh, uh, of that something should be split between the victims they've harmed and the families, uh, you know, of the victims they've harmed. If, you know, if those victims are deceased and with nonprofits that further help the victims of sexual abuse. And if anyone is not willing to do that, not willing to help out and help, you know, contribute some, some money to towards research or something, well, then good night, motherfucker. Rope or the bullet. You sexually abuse others and then refuse to work to help alleviate the damage you've done. In my opinion, you absolutely deserve to fucking die. You're the lowest of the low. You have no right to be part of society. You've chosen to do nothing but bring pain to society, pain and damage. So fuck you. Get off our planet. Hail Fucking Nimrod. Time for top five takeaways. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Number one. The McNeil Island Special Commitment Center, a.k.a. Pedophile Island, was opened in the Puget Sound two miles off the coast of Tacoma, Washington in April of 1990. 
First facility of its kind in America, initially housed only a handful of offenders. Today, there are more than 5,200 high-risk sex offenders civilly committed in the United States in 20 different states. Number two, Pedophile Island was created in response to Washington's passage of the Community Protection Act of 1990. The act was passed because of several incidents of previously convicted sex offenders who served short sentences, killing a woman and some children in brutal fashion in the late 80s, most notably the horrific crimes of Wesley Allen Dodd. Number three, the stats vary, but at the very least, hundreds of thousands of children are molested. Hundreds of thousands of additional women are raped in the U.S. alone every single year. Number four, currently there is no cure for pedophilia and other destructive paraphilias, such as raptophilia, the sexual attraction towards rape itself. Number five, new info. If you look into a cure for pedophilia, you will very likely quickly stumble upon the research of one psychiatrist, Paul Federoff of the University of Ottawa. He published a paper in December of 2018 titled, Can People with Pedophilia Change? Yes, They Can. Federoff's perspective is that pedophilia is not a sexual orientation. Instead, he characterizes it as a sexual interest or something that a person just happens to want to do sexually. Sexual interest, he says, is something that we acquire from learning experience and observation and as such is changeable throughout life. Federoff actually goes as far to say that there is no evidence to suggest that sexual interest is different in terms of changeability compared to, for example, interest in vegetarianism or kale or oysters. In other words, in his view, just as you can continually learn new food preferences, you can learn new sexual preferences. You know, one day, maybe you want some enchiladas. Maybe the next day you want a kid's butt. Uh, you know, you like fucking Taco Tuesday. You like Friday kid wing. Uh, uh-huh. So convinced of this idea is Federoff that he said, now I routinely tell new patients with pedophilia that their prognosis is excellent. And then they can expect to have no evidence of disease in less than a year. But is this true? Uh, it doesn't fucking seem so. None of his peers, to my knowledge, seem to agree with him on any in any way whatsoever. Um, you know, I, I, I hope he's found something. I hope he's found something that no one else understands yet. Maybe he has. I don't think so. Maybe he has. But even if he has, until longitudinal studies have been done regarding the recidivism of rate of those who have undergone this treatment after five years, 10 years, 20 years, and longer, until then, get to the fucking island. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Whew. Pedophile Island has been sucked. Hail uh, to the Patreon space lizards for supporting the show and picking that topic. I would have never found it otherwise. Uh, until we find a cure for molesters, separation from society or death are the only rational options, in my opinion, for dealing with the problem of high-risk sex offenders, violent sexual predators, uh, offenders attracted to the offenses that they commit. Uh, thank you to the Time Suck team. Thanks to Queen of the Suck, Lindsay Cummins, High Priestess of the Suck, Harmony Velikamp, Jesse, Guardian of Grammar Dobner, Reverend Dr. Joe Paisley, Time Suck High Priest Alex Dugan, The Guy's a Bit Elixir, Danger Brain, Access Apparel, Heather Knowledge, Ninda Rylander. Uh, got to see her in Madison recently. It was great to meet up, uh, Heather. Uh, love ya. And, uh, and, and got to see fellow uh, researcher Kai Beamer as well. Great seeing you as well, Kai. Um, now, have you joined the cult of the Curious Private Facebook group? There are more than 7,000 time suckers in the private cult of the Curious group now on Facebook and more than 1,500 Discord members. So get in. Link to the Discord chat room, messaging app right in the Time Suck app. Uh, link to the private Facebook group and the Discord channel in today's episode description as it has been for a while now. Okay, next week. We talk about another child killer. I did not plan it that way. Next week's topic, uh, the preliminary research was done before this week's topic was picked. 
We're going to be looking into Pedro Lopez, the monster of the Andes, Colombian serial killer who, according to Wikipedia, uh, was sentenced for killing 110 girls, but then claimed to have raped and killed more than 300 girls across Colombia, Peru, Ecuador, and potentially other countries. Uh, He was released from a psychiatric hospital in 1998 for good behavior after initially being found insane. As of 2019, his whereabouts are unknown. Is this all true? Uh, Gonna dig way deeper than Wikipedia. Find out uh, a a lot more about this piece of shit. Find out what's real, what's not on next Monday's show. Uh, Hope you enjoy that. Hope you enjoy Time Sucker updates right now. Updates. Get your Time Sucker updates. Okay, first update comes in from Jesse Stinton. This is from The Plague. Uh, talking about whistle pigs, right? I didn't know what whistle pigs were. Uh, and, and numerous time suckers, a lot of time suckers actually, uh, sent, in, sent in this, letting me know that whistle pigs are groundhogs. Uh, Jesse said, I've only heard them call that in South Idaho. I've heard other people, uh, or I've gotten messages from other people in the Midwest. So now we know what a whistle pig is. It's a groundhog, uh, which is not as fun. There's a little pig out there in the woods, just like... Little fucking pig walking around, maybe a little stick on its shoulder, a little uh, handkerchief tied around like a little like a little hobo walking down some tracks. Uh, okay, now now another message coming in uh, regarding the Black Panther suck. This comes in from Time Sucker Sierra Emmett. Sierra says, "God damn it, Master Sucker, follower of Nimrod and coward Lucifina. I'm listening to the Black Panther suck, and I'm in your opening comments. You said Happy Black History Month to your." Me- <laughs> To your melatonin-enhanced friends. The word you're looking for is melanin. Damn it. Ah! Melatonin is associated with sleep. Melanin is the chemical that determines skin shade. Sorry for busting your ass. I am as well just a white meat sack, but it's important to know the difference. Keep on saying it is important. I got a lot of messages about that, as, as I should have. Melanin, not melatonin. Those words are pretty close. Those words are pretty close. Uh, but yeah, very different meanings. So thank you for that. Uh, another Black Panther message coming in from Time Sucker Tiffany. Tiffany says, good morning, Suck Master Cummins. First, let me say you did a hell of a job sucking on the Black Panthers. <laughs> this melanated meat sack was very elated at your unbiased presentation. I must say I was a little hesitant as to how they were going to be portrayed since a lot of our history has been whitewashed and watered down. Damn it, by the power of Bojangles, you fucking did it. Uh, I just have one correction to the story. It may be minor, but to me it's very significant. Yes, and many people wrote about this as well. As you were telling the story of Malcolm X, you stated his father was Marcus Garvey. This is incorrect. Although the story of although the story of how his father was killed was correct, his father's name was Earl Little. Marcus Garvey was a political activist and leader from Jamaica. Again, I know it's just a minor part of the story. Just thought you should know. Uh, thank you for taking the time to read my email. Continue to suck on. Hail Lucifina. Hail Bojangles. And then also Black Power in my hillbilly voice. Your loyal time sucker listener, Tiffany from Arizona. Yeah, I do love the white the, the white hillbilly going, oh, black, black, black power. Black, black, black power. Black, black power. Black, black power. Um, yeah. So, yeah. A couple mistakes. Thanks for sending those in. Uh, black Panther episode insight from law enforcement sucker James Pitt, who writes in, Hey, Dan, look, you know I'm a white guy in law enforcement. And frankly, I'll save you the I'm not racist and here are some facts, blah, blah, blah. I just want to ask you and possibly other space lizards, what will break the fucking cycle of this madness? It seems like both sides are fighting against one another for the sins of their fathers. I lobby against uh, every time we have a community outreach, which basically means let's go to the hood and talk to the kids. And this is why we as law enforcement do not need to convince children we aren't bad people or racist. It's the parents and grandparents we need to reach out to in predominantly black and Latino neighborhoods. 
They are the pillars of their communities and the and, and children will listen to them. The parents and elders of these communities aren't the ones being arrested on a nightly basis and then resist and fight with us every single fucking night whom are pro- predisposed to fearing and hating us. It is almost always men under 30. This is the part where I rant for white people so you can skip this till you see it keep on sucking. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I, you know what? I, I, I feel like um, I, you said some really good things here, though. Uh, you know the media does not help this because they love to report white cop, black suspect stories. And television movies has made it an encouraged ideal to make sly comments about white people. Yesterday, I'm watching one of my favorite movies. Ironically, it's Marvel's Black Panther. And the Black Panther sister makes the comment, another broken white boy I gotta fix. I'm watching this and I don't get angry, but I cannot help but think, what was the point of that comment? There are tons of other examples. And please understand, I'm not trying to bitch and moan, I promise. Anyway, I feel that you will understand, not necessarily agree with me, uh, and can tell me if I'm wrong in this sense. Just wanted to get that off my chest. I'm sure you will get a ton of emails about today's Black Panther suck. I will leave the rest to you. You did a great job. Appreciate your support and your criticisms about today. Keep on sucking and hail Nimrod. Uh, and then I asked, yeah, I asked him if I could share his email. And he said, yeah, you can share as much of it as you like, names at all. I want everyone of every type to succeed in life and hope everyone I come in contact with, especially at work, exceeds me in success. Also, uh, I tell everyone that is up for release, do better than me. Thanks for the reply and have a great, oh man, I love you, James. And you know what? No, I agree with you, man. It's just not helpful. It's not helpful when it's, when, um, you know, in, in the, in the aim of creating more equality for one group, another group then becomes continually shit on because then all you do is just continually perpetuate the cycle of this group gets to shit on this group, then that group gets mad, and then they eventually start shitting more on the the group A, and then that group gets mad, and it's over and over and over and and endlessly. Until, you know, with with, uh, racial equality, we just like, no, everybody should fucking succeed. Everybody. And then it shouldn't matter. That's what I argue for. I'm not real into me personally. I make jokes about like, you know, Lindsay Polish history. I I think heritage is cool. But when, but when people go bonkers with it, and, and and then it starts to feel to me like, okay, well, now I can't be close to you because you care so much about your heritage that it's, it kind of puts this this attitude off to me of like, well, and fuck everybody else's heritage. My heritage is the best. No. Team Meat Sack. Fuck, that's it. That's it. That's it. If you're a human, you know, if you're, if you're a good person, if you're a good person, if you're not a fucking pedophile, then I don't care what your skin color is. Another Black Panthers update from Time Sucker Akiba Howard. Uh, she says, uh, "Well, I've been listening. Actually, yeah, sorry. Wait, uh, Akiba, I I don't know. Um, okay, I I don't know. Actually, um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw gender onto this. I I, I apologize. Just I, I I don't know that I'm not familiar with this with this name. The first name Akiba before. I like it, but I don't know. I have not met them in person." Akiba says, "I've been listening for a while now. Many of your pods are great. Some are okay. That's fair. I, that is fair." But the one you did on the Panthers deserves recognition. You are a white man, a white man who lives in Idaho. Goodness <laughs> goodness knows you live in the heart of whiteness. Eh, I can't fight that. But despite that, this episode showed you get it, you understand, while you were off and on, that's understandable considering, well, you're a white guy. The point is, <laughs> you said things need to be said, and for that, I thank you, uh, and I uh, salute you, sir. That's very nice, Keith. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to send that message. Uh, another uh, message about the Black Panthers from Jody Johns. Who says, as a black meat sack, you did good on the Panthers. Keep nailing that shit, boo. Oh, that's so nice, Jody. You are very, very sweet. I appreciate that. Uh, an anonymous sucker uh, sent in a message thanking the suck for the support of law enforcement. Uh, this, this sucker wrote, I'm a civilian employee of the Virginia State Police and a faithful disciple of the suck. I listen to every episode, even when I'm unsure if I'm interested in the topic. As it turns out, I always end up finding the subject interesting and I always learn something. 
I was listening to the Black Panther suck from February 11th, and my heart nearly stopped when you mentioned Trooper Lucas Dow. The last thing I expected to hear, uh, this was the last thing I expected to hear, and I started to cry while sitting at my desk. Thank you so much for acknowledging his sacrifice. I did not know him personally, but often saw his name on paperwork and occasionally saw him around during certain events. The past week has been very hard for everyone with the Virginia State Police, but hearing that someone way off in another state cares about his life and shares our grief, it gives more comfort than you can imagine. Thanks for emphasizing that there are many good law enforcement officers out there and that they deserve respect. Absolutely. Actually, thank you for saying that most meat sacks deserve respect, except for those banished to Nimrod's butthole. Mm-hmm. Like, like some of the people we talked about today. You, uh, your crazy, funny, informative podcasts make work bearable, bearable and give me something to look forward to. If you do happen to be on your podcast, please leave off my name. Did it. Did it. And I hope you and your dedicated crew keep on sucking for years to come. Me too. Thanks again. Thank you, anonymous sucker. And I'm going to leave today uh, with a shout out uh, to a would would have been sucker who's no longer with us, uh, mentioned by Time Sucker, who is with us, Brandon uh, Supernaut. I don't know how to say your name, Brandon. Sorry, man. Supernaut, S-U-P-R-E-N-A-N-T. Paisley, have any, any guess at all on that? Supranant? <laughs> I know. Okay, there we go. I'm not alone. Uh, Brandon writes, my grandfather, who although not a listener of the podcast itself, is a man that embodies all the ideals of time suck. For example, although having never gone to college, my grandfather, a veteran of the Air Force, taught himself enough to not only be on a team that helped to invent one of the first fiber optic cables, currently cited in the book City of Light, but retired the head of R&D at Fiber Optics Technology, a company based in Palm Fred, Connecticut. Wow. That is impressive. He taught me so many things throughout my life. How to find Venus in the sky after sunset. I don't know that. Uh, what a black hole actually is. And so many other things have shaped me to the curious person I am today. However, four years ago, he suffered a stroke and he's had a great difficulty community, uh, communicating since. I can only imagine the amount of frustration he must have felt no longer being able to rely on his one strong mind. Recently, after seeing his appetite greatly diminished, my mother, who also took care of him, took him to the doctors only to discover a mass on his pancreas. Pancreatic cancer was the diagnosis, and it took only another two weeks. When on January 27th, the head of our family, a man we all look up to, passed away. Ah, I'm so sorry, Brandon. That is, yep, the patriarch, man. That's tough. That's tough. In honor of his memory, I will be getting a tattoo of, uh, of the Time Suck emblem. Oh, man, my first ever tattoo and a perfect symbol that embodies the pursuit of knowledge that my grandfather endearingly referred to as Papa, uh, always nurtured in every single member of our family. Despite facing several tragedies and hardships in his life, burying both his wife and son who died of cancer, he never once complained, never once was selfish, choosing instead to focus on the wants and needs of his family. Paul J. Dobson is his name, and I know he would be honored to become an honorary member of the Cult of the Curious should and you and Nimrod allow it. Oh, done deal. Paul Dobson, whatever dimension you're in right now, I hope you're listening, and you're you're fucking in. You know you're in, and uh, I, I would be honored to have other time suckers hear his name and help carry on this amazing man's memory. Absolutely, people should hear about men uh, and just meat sacks in general. You know, men and women like Paul J. Dobson. Absolutely, uh, I'm currently relisting in chronological order as my OCD requires to all the time suck episodes. Currently on 54. So even if you're able to read this email, it may take a while before I hear it. Well, you got something to look forward to. You don't know it though. That being said, it would be an amazing and un- an appreciated surprise, one I know both I and my family would never forget. Thank you again for just taking the time to read this and all that you and your amazing team do. Like Papa, leave this world a better place than you entered it. You truly are an awesome, wonderful sucker. Oh, thank you. I, I, I try. I don't always get there, but I, I, I give it the effort. Sincerely and respectfully, forever a fan and a space lizard, Brandon Michael, a.k.a. Phoenix. All right. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, I appreciate that very much. Appreciate all the messages you all send in. 
And that is all for today. Next time, suckers. I needed that. We all did. Thanks again for listening. Keep telling your friends about this little world of ours. Don't molest anyone this week, like like anyone at all. Uh, get counseling uh, if if you even think about it. Uh, that you will stay in for the rest of your life and outside the context of non consensual encounters with adults or any encounters with kids. Keep on sucking. <laughs> Mattress and erectile dysfunction. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.